I, uh, I think when I was a kid, the whole concept of napping was frustrating for me. I've always felt like, you know, when the sun is up, it's go time. I got projects to do. I don't need to, I don't need to be hampered by napping. The rest is for the week. We don't take naps. We, we conquer. And I think I had this kind of, you know, a long time before I really appreciated what resting was all about. When I got to high school, I was constantly doing things. I was wanting to be kind of an athlete and also a musician. And so I, I began to develop this issue of not sleeping but being overcommitted and saying yes to everything. And then I started to get these things called migraine headaches. Who has had one of those bad boys? Wow, there's a lot of people who've had those. So this is a good support group right here. So look around. But I, I remember trying to navigate these migraine things, and my, my mom was always on me for trying to get more rest, saying no to stuff. But, you know, I'd go from, you know, basketball practice to a performance, and it was like, uh, you know, spinning too many wheels. And I think it just caught up with me. And I'd have these migraines, and then I was frustrated at the migraines because, for me, when I would get one of these bad boy headaches, it would, like, shut me down. I don't know how, how you've reacted to one of those things, but like I, I, I have to basically just go to sleep for four hours or so before I'll ever like get back to, and, I, and there's always like residual headache even after that. I don't know if some of you've suffered from some of this. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. And the thing was frustrating for me is it forced me to slow down. Like it forced me to have to cancel some stuff, and I hate doing that. It forced me to, like, clear the schedule because I'm just going to have to sleep for, like, four hours. And it's hard because if you're, if you've, I don't know if you're like me, but I couldn't even take, like, a pill. Like, if I tried to take, like, an aspirin or something like that, uh-uh, it's coming right back up. So you basically just have to hunker down, get in the fetal position, and weigh that thing out. And uh, it was frustrating, you know, but it forced me, I guess, to, to have to rest. And so I, I began in the last several years to appreciate rest a little bit more. In fact, I read a book by Daniel Pink a while ago called uh, uh, When. The book is just called When, and it's a good book, talking about the, the cycles of when we should do things and kind of how our, our circadian rhythms work. I, I don't know much about that science, but he wrote this book, and one of the things that I took from it, and it's probably not even the point that he was trying to make in the book, but there was a thing he talked about called a nappuccino. Anybody ever heard of a nappuccino? Okay, a few of you have, okay. Well, I did it this week. I, uh, I knew I was going to be talking about it. I love the concept, but I thought, you know, it was, it was a late afternoon. I think it was Thursday or Friday. I can't remember when it was. And uh, Jackie will, will tell you I actually did this, so I'm not lying to you. She was laughing at me because she thought it wasn't going to work. So you, yeah, the concept of a nappuccino is when you're kind of feeling sluggish, generally for most people you start feeling sluggish in the afternoons, right? Not a lot of good work gets done then. In fact, there's even, you know, statistics on, like, you don't want to, like, take a flight in the afternoon, get surgery in the afternoon. It's like, afternoons are bad in many ways because you hit this lull, right? So this nappuccino, what you're supposed to do is down a cup of coffee, okay? So you down it, down that thing. Now, I, I did, a cu like, a two-shot espresso, you know, because I like to raise up my game. I did a two-shot espresso, and then the idea is you're supposed to set your timer for like 20, 25 minutes. There's kind of a sweet spot. You don't want to go too far. You don't want to have too long of a nap because if you do that, then you're going to be groggy. 
So you just got to you got to down the coffee, then you set your timer for 25 minutes. You you know go to your your happy place. You know you shut all the curtains, whatever. Get the fan on so you're not hearing anything. You go to sleep for 20 to 25 minutes. It took me a while to kind of go to sleep. I'm not sure I got all 20 some minutes, but then about 25 minutes, that coffee hits your system, and then the coffee kind of recharges you, and it really worked. I'm saying. Living proof that it actually, it, it actually worked, a nappuccino. So I don't know how that is going to play out with your boss when you say, hey, uh, buddy, I got I to gotta do this nappuccino thing. The pastor told me to because I have such weight around here. The pastor told me, but it, it, actually, it actually worked. There's probably science behind it. But look, we know that rest matters. We know that it matters. We know that rest replenishes us. It kind of, re- kind of retools us a little bit. Some of us feel like we need a lot more rest than we're getting. And, uh, and we know it's important. Being quiet and being still kind of helps us focus when we actually are called to focus. They talk about unplugging, getting, you know, shutting stuff off. I got to tell you, that makes a huge difference at night. Some of you that are struggling with sleep, sleep or whatever, shut the darn things off. We don't need to know the Facebook feed at 10 o'clock. Although I did read something the other day. This is totally, I don't know why I'm not talking about this. Um, so uh, sometimes when Jackie like starts to stir awake, she'll like get her phone. And they say that like 40% of women check Facebook before they get out of bed. What are the stats in here? Nobody's going to say a word. <laughs> I'm not going to raise my hand. But we know that rest is important. You've got to shut those things off. In fact, I was looking at an article that came out in March of this year uh, by Health Magazine. It was talking about the benefits of rest. And there's a lot of them, uh, as you could probably tell. But it keeps your heart healthier, actually. Having rest keeps your heart healthy. It reduces stress and inflammation. So that's, that's a good thing. Uh, it makes us more alert if we get enough rest. We know this stuff, probably. It improves our memory. Okay? Uh, it may reduce depression which that's interesting, and it helps the body repair itself, right? We knew all that or know know some of that, but here's the best one. You ready for this? Science. So you can't, you can't, you can't argue with me. It's science here. It, napping makes you smarter. What it says right, right there in the magazine. And these magazines never lie. (laughs) Napping makes you, so if you're a napping person, you know what I'm talking about. We're already kind of a level above, you know? We don't talk about it a lot, but... So get your nappuccino sometime this week. Well, as we're, we're going to see today, we are going to talk about rest. But rest in a couple of different ways. There's going to be a couple of rests that we're talking about as the writer of Hebrews gets us into this idea of, of, a, of not only rest now and the rhythm of life, but a rest to come. And who gets to enter into that rest will, will really be predicated on the hardness of our heart. And so the, the writer's going to give us some pretty, pretty big concepts today. So why don't we uh, pause for a second and uh, take a deep breath. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your faithfulness to us. Your mercies are new every morning. We need them every day, every hour. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your love for us and that you want to speak to us, speak to our hearts on these concepts of rest and, uh, and, and, and learning to, to walk your way. Lord, I pray that you, you, you touch every heart here this morning and that we would leave this place changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So if you've got a, a Bible or a device or you've got your journal, that's even better. 
Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Hebrews chapter 3 is where we'll pick up, pick up where we left off last week. Remember, last week we were talking about how Jesus is better than Moses. Mo. Yeah, better than Moses. And, of course, that was kind of a big deal for the nation of Israel. That He was a superstar. And saying that Jesus was better than Moses is a pretty big deal. And now we're going to kind of continue his logic. He's going to talk about how uh, even during Moses' leadership, uh, the people struggled. And Jesus is, is uh, above all of that. So let's pick up in, uh, in chapter 3, verse 7, is where we're going to pick it up. I want you to just to notice areas of repetition. That's important. You know, if something's repeated, probably the writer wants us to kind of know about it. So let's uh, lean in and read now. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you an e- in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we shall share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would never enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to, to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith by those who listened. For, for, we, have believed, for, for we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day. Today saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now you'll notice we went right through chapter 4. I didn't break there. And some people are sort of like, 
what are you doing there? You're not respecting the chapter and verse. Remember, the originals didn't have those markings. They just went right through. So sometimes it's helpful just to read it through and not kind of break it up uh, by, by those divisions. And, and, the, and there's, a, there's kind of a flow there to what the, what the writer's telling us. Now, did you catch some of the, the repetition? Come on. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, right? That must be important. And they shall never enter my rest. So those two things kind of jump out at me. I don't know if that, they jumped out at you, but those jumped out at me. So what is the writer trying to tell us here? We, we, the, just, you don't have to know this, but the writer is actually quoting some stuff that happened in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Some of the narratives there that he's kind of going into there are, are things that, that people in the first century that were Jewish would understand. They would know. Those are Old Testament stories. How many in here have actually read through the entire Old Testament? Okay. There's a lot of stories in there, so it's hard for us to know exactly every single story, but there are many stories around the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and uh, in, in the Old Testament, the nation was, was uh, you know, if you know the whole story, they were pulled out of Egypt, they were the Hebrew people, they were slaves in Egypt, and then Moses, right, our big superhero that we talked about last time, you know, he was the leader, and he got the people out, and they were supposed to go to this promised land and kind of take care of the people that were in the promised land so they could live in the promised land. It's kind of a sordid tale in many ways. And they, they rebelled and they had a tough time. So that's kind of what the writer is hinting at. You don't have to know all those stories, but the nation of Israel was supposed to be this great nation under God. And it just, it was a failure to launch in many different ways. I mean, they finally did have a nation, but it didn't last too long. They ended up getting into civil war. It's like, if you know the tale, it's just not a pretty, pretty picture all the way through. But the writer's mentioning how even in the early days, God was doing all these big things. I mean, if, if you remember some of those stories, the, the, no, Moses walked them through a, a body of water. I mean, split the sea apart. There was like all kinds of powerful things. I mean, the nation would fight and then you know, Moses would have to hold up his staff. And, and, when, and when he got tired then the people start losing. It's like this crazy, just his staff would, would be doing these things. Obviously, it's the power of God. But he had a leadership role there. So the, the nation struggled. And what the writer's trying to remind us of is that they were constantly hardening their hearts even when God was doing big things right in front of them. I don't know if you've ever had someone say, well, I would become a Christian if God showed up right in front of me. You know, and I get the sentiment, but I kind of wonder if that would really work. Like, well, that's probably a figment of my imagination, or that's probably a hologram. I don't know. You start to say stuff. I don't even know. But people say that, and I just wonder, because God was doing mighty things for the nation of Israel, and right around, they turn around the corner, at, we don't have any water. We don't have any, we should go back to Egypt. Uh, and other times, oh, we don't have enough meat. Uh, we have a meat issue, uh, and so we should turn back. Oh, they don't have enough vegetables out here in the desert. We need to turn back. They were constantly doing that. And in that, they were hardening their hearts. And, and, and the hardening of the heart is what the, the writer is trying to warn us here about. And it's not just a, a flippant warning here. It's a big deal. Because he's talking about entering God's rest. So these are mighty concepts. Now, the, the specific situation that, that the writer talks about is this one moment where the nation was somewhere in the wilderness and they didn't have enough water or maybe the water wasn't uh, bubbly and so they were frustrated that it wasn't Perrier, whatever it was, I don't know. We don't know all the details, but 
the people were grumbling yet again, and Moses has to like strike this rock, and water comes out, and then there's judgment going on, and, and God's like, why don't you trust me? Why don't you? It's like it's, the, the whole nation was kind of this, this, this opportunity for humans to trust God, and it, we just have a tough time doing that. Humans have a tough time trusting God, and so we tend to harden our hearts. Even when we see something powerful right in front of us, we're like, no, that can't be. We, we're doing this all the time, and God's got to be up there going, really? I'm going to have to go down there and take care of this. That's, you know what I mean? This is, this is what we do to God, I think, sometimes. And that's that story about the water and the rock. That's Exodus chapter 17. And if you've read the Old Testament, you know that's not an easy book to get through. Joshua comes next. Judges. I mean, that's like a trifecta of craziness if you've read through those books. I can say that. We can say that, right? If you've ever read those books, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Exodus 17, the people are rebelling and it's to strike the rock. And here's the deal. It's not just that one incident, right? It's a, it's a whole situation where the people had this symptomatic attitude of deep-rooted rebellion. And that's what we're being warned about here in this, in this chapter. Now, here's a nerd moment, okay? So the nerd moment, there's a few of us in the audience that are nerds. This is the stuff I kind of love. There's a wordplay going on in the original language that you wouldn't necessarily catch by reading English. So in this verse 12, if you remember verse 12, let's, let's, let's pop there real quick. In chapter 3, it says, Take care, brothers and sisters, okay? Uh, lest there be any... Lest, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So there's this idea of unbelieving heart leading you away. That's the concept that we have in our English Bible. But what it does in the Greek language is it says, uh, you know, you, you have this problem of turning away, which is aphistome, and unbelief, which is apistea. Aphistome, apistea. And the idea was, it's kind of this, this word play of this double-fisted double problem when it comes to unbelief. And what happens is, we harden our heart when we start to have this unbelieving heart. We don't trust you, God, and that leads us to turning away. And the writer's warning us, don't follow that problem of the aphistome, apistea, because they're connected. And the writer wants all of us to take heed, take heart. Remember, this letter is not going to hold punches. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come after us. And we've got to, if you've been following Jesus for a while, there's some warnings here that I don't want us just to kind of write off. We need to listen to it. And when you have a warning in this study that we're going through, lean in. We said that in week one. Lean in. Don't, don't just kind of, oh, it's not a, it doesn't apply to me. Yeah, it does apply. If you're a follower of Christ, this is a warning for us. And so they, they, would, they would harden their heart. You know, faith is challenging. And I love how the writer here is saying, hey, let's look out for each other. Brothers and sisters, if, if you see someone kind of struggling, hey, let's help them out. Instead of just leaving them on their own. There's a sense of community that the writer's trying to remind us of. This is why it's important to meet together. You can't get this online. You can't get this in a book. Those are all good things. But the, the eyeball to eyeball, the handshake, the shoulder hug, this is where we begin to help encourage one another. And the writer here is, hey, hey, let's be, let, let's be careful to exhort one another every day to help each other. The word there is encourage. Let's encourage one another because it's hard to keep our hearts softened and not hardened to the things of God. It's hard. 
Some of you walk with Jesus for a while and you know how hard it is to stay connected. One of the things I pray for a lot, just in my own prayer time, God, would you break my heart for the things that break your heart? I don't want to be callous to people that are hurting. And this happens in our world. And even, if, even followers of Christ in this room, many of us have decided to follow Jesus in here, most, probably most of us. And we know that it's easy to let the deceitfulness of sin and unbelief begin to pull us away from God. And we start acting opposite of how we know our Savior's wanting us to be, to love people, to have our hearts softened. And so the writer's really trying to remind us, hey, this is an encouragement moment. Brothers and sisters, look around the room. Who needs encouragement? Because it's hard to walk the way of Jesus and not have a hard heart. Now, some of you may have, have really never been part of a church home, and maybe you're thinking about a church home. We'd love it if this was your place. Uh, we have something that we're doing next week. There's a little luncheon, and we're doing something called Starting Point. Uh, I guess this is a little plug for that. Pause. Uh, if you've never made our, your church home, I, I encourage you to, to be there after second service next weekend. And, uh, yeah, learn more about us. Learn about, about our mission, where we're heading. And, uh, and that's really good because... Getting together like this has power. I love it when after we're done with one of these things, our gatherings, sure, I see people like just hanging out in the lobby and talking in here and making lunch plans and coffee plans. This is how we encourage one another, right? This is the power of being together. So the writer's telling us, let's exhort one another because it's hard to keep our hearts softened in the way of God. Now, rest shows up a bunch, right? So, so rest shows up at least 10 times. And rest is kind of told in two different ways here. I mean, we, we, we got the, the men, mention of how God rested right on the seventh day. There was a sense in the rhythm of creation and the rhythm of life. There's a day that we, that we need rest. And then we have this idea of how, you know what, Moses and, and the law could never bring people truly to rest. Could never do it because those, those, all those sacrifices, even the whole Old Testament law could not satisfy the sin issue. And so only Jesus did that for us. So the true rest is only found in the good news of, of Jesus. And so this rest is talked about over and over again, but the writer really wants us to get the memo, to get it loud and clear. Here's the memo. Do not choose to harden your heart by unbelief. That's our warning. That's the warning I don't want to cover over today. Uh, some of you know that I love to do, I love to read some of the, the early church fathers. I, I love scripture, but I also love to read what people say about scripture, even in the early decades or the early centuries of the, of the, of the church. And in about the fourth century, there was uh, someone called uh, the name of uh, the person is Benedict of Nursia. And Benedict said this, however late then it may seem, let us rouse ourselves from lethargy. This is what the scripture urges us on when it says the time has come for us to rouse ourselves from sleep. Let us open our eyes to the light that can change us into the likeness of God. Let our ears be alert to the stirring call of his voice crying to us every day. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, I think about the nation of Israel, and I don't know if you've, if you've, you've read, you know, again, pieces of the Old Testament. Some of them are hard to read. But I, I remember the first time that I read the promises that God had for the nation. And they are crazy awesome promises. Like God said, hey, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be your king. 
Uh, we're going to go, and there's going to be a promised land, uh, and here's my laws, and here's how you approach me, and here's how we're going to set things up. And when you're in my team, when you're on my, in my family, when, when we're doing this nation, he promises things that are crazy. Your clothes will never wear out. What? You, your crops will always be bumper crops. I lived on a farm. This doesn't happen. It doesn't happen all the time. You're, you're, uh, yeah, you're, you'll never have want of, of food. You'll have the best of everything. I mean, these are actually in there. Like, if we're going to set this thing up, it's going to be good. You obey me, right? This is, don't harden your heart. You're with me. These great things are going to happen. Whenever you go to war, you're always going to win. It's like, what? Uh, and you will, you will never have to worry. There, in fact, none of your women will ever miscarry. That's actually in there. But the nation, even seeing the great things that God was doing, struggled, and they hardened their hearts. And the scriptures say here, they didn't, they didn't enter the rest that God had for them. So the nation never really enjoyed that rest that God had for them. And the writer's saying, let's not be like that. Let's not be like that. And, and certainly, there's a rest here that's, that's a weekly sort of rest, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, I encourage you to grab that nappuccino this week. Rest is important. We know rest is baked into here, too, that we need to have regular rhythms where we stop, unplug, and really take it easy. But there's another rest talked about here. And it's not just the promised land that Israel was supposed to enjoy, but a, a rest that's not yet. A rest when, when Jesus comes back and we have new heavens and new earth. I don't even know exactly how to wrap my mind around it, but that's a rest that's out there, not yet. So we get to enter this rest now because of Jesus, but we're going to have a rest that's going to be not yet. So the question is, do you want that rest? I mean, I certainly want it. I want the rest now and the not yet. I want to look forward to whatever God's going to do in new creation, but I also want to enjoy his rest now, that I can rest on the promises of Jesus. I can rest my faith on him because he's worth it, and that I can trust him even if I can't see the whole picture. I don't want to harden my heart. I don't want to be one of those people that hardens my heart. And it's one of those deals where the beauty of a church family is we can help each other with this, where we might be kind of going astray or going this way or that, and we can say, hey, how's it going? What's going on? Hopefully we have enough street cred with each other that we can love each other that way without feeling judgmental. But it's like, hey, I love you. What's going on? Because it seems like you're struggling. And, and, and maybe your, your heart has become hardened and we can help each other with that. One day, I, I long for this, where I'll not have to go to the gym and have the, where I won't have any tears, where I can eat whatever I want and it'll be awesome. Someday we get to enter that rest, and it's a beautiful thing. The scriptures talk about it, right? But with the beauty about following Jesus is we get to enter a little bit of that rest now, and we're going to have a not yet at one point in the future. I want both of those. I hope you do too. You see, the nation of Israel had all these wonderful things happen, but they still hardened their hearts, and that's our warning. I love what commentator William Lane said about this whole hardening of the heart. It's so sad because of unbelief, Israel didn't get to enter that rest and we don't want to be like that. We're warned, just like those folks were, about this hardening of the heart. Listen to what William Lane said. He said this, you know, this hardening of the heart is a major theme in this whole book of Hebrews, this whole podcast of Hebrews, if you will. And that, that Christians are the people 
of God who, like the generation of those Israelites in the desert, experienced the tension of an interim existence between redemption and rest, between promise and fulfillment. And the plea, today if you hear his voice, was intended to bring the memory of Israel struggling in the desert, struggling to trust God. It's supposed to call up that memory. And the people that, that were struggling and had hardened hearts. And it's, and it's a sober reminder that each generation has the awesome responsibility of standing before the claim of God expressed in his word today. Today signals a fresh moment of biography and history which awakens us and it calls to us for a response of obedience, not disobedience, of faith and not unbelief. Today is a clarion call for us. Today, if you hear his voice, God may be you know, tapping on your heart right now. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing on you. And it could be that he's, he's trying to get a message to you. And so here's that warning. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't brush it off. Do something with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you on. And that's the question, right? What's, if you've been following Jesus for a while, what hardens your heart? What does it for you? What has hardened your heart? Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Someone having a health issue that's going to take them down to, 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 to bad, bad situation. Maybe it's, it, maybe it's a situation your, your, your career life didn't quite go like you had hoped. Or maybe, maybe you're in a job, you're struggling, or you got a relationship going sideways, or you want a relationship. I don't know where it is. What causes, what causes your heart to harden? That's a gut check. What is it that does it for you? You know? Unbelief, sure, certainly. Sin, that can do it. You know, sin can harden our hearts. Fear, insecurity. I don't know what it is for you. Not really trusting that God is who he says he is. Not really trusting that God's got a plan, even if it looks like things are going like this in your life. Trusting God. I don't want any of us to miss out on all God has for us. Not any of that rest. I want us all to enjoy it. But we have to encourage each other not to have a hard heart. That makes sense? That's what he's trying to get at. True rest, and this is my only takeaway, true rest is found only, only in Jesus. Because ultimately, our sins are taken care of forever. And he's made the final word. And we're forgiven if you're in Christ. And that means you get to have rest now and there's a rest coming. And we don't want to miss out on any of it. True rest is found only in Jesus. A heart of unbelief is, is not leaning toward Jesus. A heart of unbelief is hardening toward the things of God. A hard heart will never enjoy what God has for us, everything he wants for us. When we, st we stop trusting the Lord and we start thinking we got it, we're in a bad spot. Because we don't got it. We need the anchor of our soul, Jesus Christ. I love what Jesus said one day, and we have it recorded for us in Matthew. Matthew 11, it says this in verse 28, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love, I love that statement. Don't you love that statement? When you get to that, even that word, I love rest, the word rest. But come to, Jesus says, look, come to me. 
and I will give you rest. True rest is found only in Jesus. Jesus continues, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls, soul rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we have a responsibility to come to Jesus every day. If you want to live in that life of rest, both here and the not yet, Jesus says you gotta come to me. True rest is found only only in Jesus. And when we live the way he's called us, it brings us life. When we live in other ways, it brings us hurt. And many of us have experienced that hurt over and over and over again. And his way is the only way to peace. It's true. It's true today. It's true 10 years from now. We have a chance to to walk in his way and not harden our hearts and to not drift into unbelief and to fall away. He's asked us to not harden our hearts. We have a responsibility. So how is your rest? Do do a, a gut check today. How is your rest? Are you resting in the promises of God? Are you resting in Christ who covered you? You are forever covered. He has you covered. The minute we cross over, I can't wait to shake his hand. It's going to have a scar in it. And you're welcome to sin. That's powerful. True rest is found only in Jesus. How is your rest? Do a gut check. Are you living with a healthy dose of peace? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want that. I want you guys to have that too. We all want that. That's how we want to live. Imagine a people. Imagine a church family like this where people on the outside can say, wow, they seem like they have something different. They seem like they have peace in their life. They seem like they are people who can embrace rest and love and have a softness of heart toward those who are in need. What would a a church family like that do in a community? Powerful. We can be that kind of people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for us, your faithfulness. It's true. Those mercies are new every morning. Lord, uh, we want to enter that rest someday, but we also want to have the rest now. And Father, that's, that's a rest in knowing that you've covered our sins and taken care of us. And by all that Jesus did, his life, death, burial, resurrection, that that brings us peace because we have peace with you, God, through Christ. That's a part of peace, but also peace in our our weeks and spending rhythms of time where we just unplug and disconnect and have true rest, resting in your promises. And one day, we're going to have that rest of new heavens and new earth and new creation. We look forward to all of that. Father, I pray that each one of these uh, hearts here in in this auditorium right now would be softened to your love and not hardened. Father, help us to be people of a soft heart and are willing to continually expand your mission of love to our world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.